0: With us right now, it's Reiner Lohm. Reiner, you are the author of the book, Aspire, Seven Essential Emotions for Leading Positive Change, no matter where you are. You're also the author of the uh, book, The Boomerang Approach. And you are found, Reiner, on the web at reinerlohm.com, where you are the CEO uh, and your executive coach, again, uh, uh, known as the Boomerang Coach. Reiner, thank you so much for uh, joining us. It's a pleasure to be with you, Josh. All right, what does a boomerang coach
1: do? Yeah, so um I'm focusing on uh, I'm an executive coach focus on leadership development, innovation and transformational change. I help uh, leaders to grow and uh, increase their impact, increase their influence um and, and be able to articulate an aspirational future but also able to to pursue it, to lead uh, towards that future. And that could be in in in, uh, in in society as well as in uh, in in organizations, in companies, and startups, all the way to large corporations.
0: Yeah, and and how might someone know? Uh, like, if they're thinking about you know their day to day, how their operation is is, is uh, how that's kind of going. Uh, how might they know that they would be a really good candidate to work with you?
1: Yeah, so so typically uh, people come to me um, when they run into any challenges in terms of their leadership. You know, like people move up in terms of influence. Maybe they start as first line managers or uh, leaders or a new leadership role, or they have moved up already a certain way. But when people kind of hit a wall and saying, I, I, I'm now, my skills are not sufficient anymore to lead in that new situation. Now, my history in terms of before I became an executive coach, I have been starting and developing businesses all the way from startup to multi-billion-dollar businesses. And and uh, in 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 those leadership roles that I had there over m- more than two decades, uh, I worked worked for Hewlett Packard uh, around the globe. Um, I. I I've worked in scenarios, in different leadership scenarios, you know, from fast growth startup where you suddenly, you call, you become so too big or you grow so fast, you don't know what, what I do now, right? Kind of, I have never been in that situation. Or well, suddenly you got used to that fast growth, but you hit a wall and suddenly the business is declining or stalling and you need to turn it around, right? And so... Or you reach a point where you say I have to uh, merge or uh, create a strategic partnership with somebody else. So what I'm saying is, leaders reach a point in their career, in their development, when they cannot l- learn the things by themselves. They need to learn in this moment. And so that's when they they hire a coach, an executive coach, and that takes them to the next level. Many of my clients I have taken through multiple levels, of course, not just one. Step, now, let's say from first line manager to becoming a VP. Or so I have had people that like maybe managed a handful of people, like five to 10, and they have now they have thousands of people in their organizations that they're leading.
0: Wow. Um, and so you come from Hewlett Packard, where you were a lead facilitator, leadership development. Um, tell me about leadership within Hewlett Packard.
1: Yeah, and and in those days, I, I two things I have to say. One, I have been a leader in terms of growing businesses, and then obviously you need to lead people, you need to attract people, you need to mobilize people, and 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 uh, collaborate and so on, and have done that global at a global scale. Uh, And uh, so that's one, me as a leader, but I also at Hewlett Packard, I was doing leadership development. So within the HP software business, which which was a little bit an outlier to the Mm -hmm. regular HP business, we kind of were a little bit rebels in terms of doing something that the the overall company, you know, we're talking about a company of more than 300,000 employees, right? Um, And uh, I helped to grow a business that started with zero and grew to 12,000 people with, you know, 4 billion in revenues. So so in that, in that role as a leader, I was also asked to develop leaders because of my leadership style and so on. And so we innovated around how can we develop leaders, we, we, we acquire companies, we start businesses, what do they have to learn that they have not learned yet? So back to your question about leadership, at that time, we innovated a leadership program, it was called Milestones Program, where we focused on self-leadership. That's where you have to start. What do you need to learn in order for you to to lead yourself? Then the next step was really, how how do I lead others? You know, the people on my team, the the people that I have directly access to. And when you have learned that and mastered that, then if you move up and you, 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 you manage or lead a larger organization and you want to scale up, then obviously you don't have direct access to people anymore in many cases, right? So you need then to, to learn how to lead a large organization. How do you scale leadership?
0: Yeah. And and so when you work with uh, leaders today, um, Reiner, what does that look like? Are are you pretty much just, do you just schedule weekly check-ins? I mean, take me through what leadership coaching looks like.
1: Yeah, so there's uh, there's multiple scale. One is uh, the one-on-one. This is executive coaching where a a leader has very personal time with me. And that's 100% confidential. It's a safe place for a leader to explore, to learn what they need to learn. And it's it's not, you know, compared to therapy. Therapy looks backward and tries to, you know, process things from the past. Uh, Executive coaching, really, it's focused on setting goals for the leader being very clear on the goals and how to achieve them. What is the new leadership behaviors? What are the new behaviors a leader needs to learn in order to achieve his or her goals, right? That, that might, for example, include, uh, uh, you know, how, how do I influence better? How do I coordinate effective actions better, right? How do I become more resilient? Let's say during this pandemic, this was a big topic, right? So a lot of leaders that I was coaching went into a crisis and saying, how how can I get through this crisis? So then we talk about resilience. But in all those situations, uh, the emotional-based uh, leadership skills, not just the behaviors, but the emotional-based leadership skills that drive the behavior of the leader, and then the people he or she is leading, uh, are absolutely critical.
0: Yeah. Um, and and um, today, Reiner, I'm sure you've seen quite a lot of evolution um, you know, over your tenure, I mean, you've been teaching leadership for quite some time. Um, so here we are in the year 2022. Um, what are some newer, either sensitivities or newer, like uh, what? What do you? What are the trends that you see in leadership and over the past year or two?
1: Yeah, but what what I see, and this has to do with changes in the society and in business in, in general. That emotional based leadership. Competencies become much more important. They become much more critical. Like if you just li- like I just was reading the latest happiness report, global happiness report by Gallup. No, so since the 2006, since they tracked when you they show the chart, it has gone the 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 uh, people being unhappy. That chart has gone up, or the happiness has gone down. That includes like you know general the mood and well-being of people emotionally as well as physically. And, and so, but that affects every part that people are not just in society, they work in companies, they work in organizations. So the leader itself is faced with this from himself or herself, but also the people the leader deals with. So these emotion-based leadership skills are much more important. Now, the issue a little bit, um, Josh, is that in school, both in, in, in regular high school and in higher education, but also in the corporate world, people don't learn those skills. Mm. And my when I coach people, not just when I work within one-on-one, but also in group settings with a larger you know, transformational change of an organization, uh, coaching in that space, in, in emotional-based leadership skills, in order to and allow and enable different behaviors, different leadership behaviors. I have the the biggest return on investment if you want, because people have not learned there yet. Most people, right? So, so, so investing there is um, is is very effective if people are open to it. If they are, if they say I don't want to learn about it, then then that's that's that becomes an issue then. But when people are open to learning in the emotional space. Which means, for example, give you an example. is kind of, uh, you know, how do I inspire? How do I mobilize my people? How do I engage them better? That's an emotional skill that you need. You need, like, you know, how feel I inspired and how do I inspire others? Or how do I become a more optimistic leader in order to become a visionary leader? Right? I need to be, be more optimistic. So these are learning in the emotional space. It is just a few examples.
0: And I ask you kind of a silly question, but uh, are lead, is there such thing as a natural born leader? I mean,, where, where do, where does one, how does one become a leader?
1: Yeah, this is this is a very interesting question, and I observe children as well. I have children myself, and 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 you know, see other children uh, for friends and so on. And I, when I observe them and play, you know, what are the leadership behaviors, right? But I would say that the, the fundamental um, requirement is that somebody aspires to lead, somebody aspires to create change, create a better future, to some kind of thing. So if that if that emotion is not there that aspiration is not there then people are most likely not to lead so 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 having that said if somebody cares about something deeply so somebody might have not been leading for for many years but suddenly that person starts to care about something that is deeply personal then it opens up the possibility to become a leader if they believe they can create the change they aspire to create. And that's the title also of my book, that anybody can become a leader. So I believe, and from my experience, because I go come into different leadership situations where people have not been leading, that the ones that have been coaching, they were not visionary leaders or they were not leaders at all. They learned how to lead. Now there's talents, right? The people have talents to lead. Maybe for example, the talent to train big right? That's a talent to dream. So, so leader has to be the ability to dream big, right? So if you want to create a company like Apple, right? Or like Google <laughs> or whatever, uh, the leaders have to think big. They have
0: to dream big. Interesting. And, and how do we, let's say that we do have as a leader, we have a big vision. Like we get it. Like we know why we're here and but somehow like we feel that there's a disconnect, right? Um, Maybe it's, it's, it's larger than us. It's more systemic. um, uh, Or maybe we're stepping into a new role and we clearly see that there's a little bit of a disconnect, right? So in other words, um, I might be standing on front of a room and on stage or something like that. And uh, I feel, Maybe there's a cynicism, uh, you know, but the but the the troops just aren't buying it. What's going on? How can how can I solve a problem like that? That's a that's a
1: wonderful question, and that happens. Oh the yeah, cynicism that happens quite often, right? Especially when people have been hit hard, they have been told these uh, empty promises right of a future Mm -hmm. and they have not materialized. so i have seen that is so so that is where the really the 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 leadership opportunity comes in right first of all i think that people need to feel that what you are dreaming of what the, the vision that you are conveying is really authentic you deeply care about it right and people feel that if you can connect it but also that it connects to what people care about so that you have that alignment, what you care about, and why do you even, why do you care about that vision, right? And so if you say, like, if you just say the numbers and say, we need to grow 20% year by year, that might be totally meaningless to people. But if you say, look, here's the vision to grow our business, and this is why we want to grow it, because that's how our company will change, how our world will change. And this is what it means to you in terms of your career, of your personal life, in terms of your own aspirations. So if the, the leader can align the vision and the purpose of the company with, with the, the vision and the purpose of the people, then suddenly people will listen. And if it, it needs to be authentic. No, if it's an empty, it's just mm-hmm. empty words, they don't mean anything. And you know, so so the people the they need to feel the leader really cares about it and cares about the people he's talking to.
0: Yeah. And, and, and in fact, your book, Aspire, uh, Seven Essential Emotions for Leading Positive Change, no matter where you are, addresses this. Yes, exactly. It
1: is because it's an emotional competency. And I learned that uh, over, you know, my decades of um, of, of leading. I, I probably learned it in, I grew up in a family business in Germany, when, when Germany was divided on, on the Western side of Germany. And, and I watched my parents, I watched my grandparents and, and the family businesses and so on, small businesses. And there was really the, the emotions and how you related to each other as human beings was very, very important. And so you learned that from, from little on and I saw what impact that made and how, what that meant to the engagement of people and how people cared in business. So everybody that was working in the family business was like part of the family and they were like, so you you didn't need to watch people. You know what I'm saying? The kind of people were just like vested and, 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 and committed and motivated. Uh, this was never a question.
0: You know, I, I was, you know, just kind of taking a look at your social media and uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, obviously, as of when we're recording this, he recently passed. Um, and you have experience like you you, you have memories uh, of uh, very distinct memories of of, of Mikhail Gorbachev. Um, who was he as a leader and and why was he the right person for the time?
1: Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Actually, this is one of uh, the, the leaders that I really admire mm-hmm. uh, because very often we see lead, he, by many people he has he's been seen as an unsuccessful leader. I see him as a successful leader. The change that he created, maybe not all this way through he wished, but history is not over yet, right? Because we're still working on it. But uh, so so first of all, for us, for me as a German, he was instrumental to, to enabling the fall of the wall and the reunification. And I have actually a story about, about Gorbachev in the book uh, is when uh, Gorbachev, um, this was before the wall and and so on, Uh, the German leader, Helmut Kohl uh, and Gorbachev did not like each other. They were like distrusting (laughs) each other. Kohl had talked negatively about him. He compared him with Goebbels, the the Nazi propaganda minister, and that was an insult to Gorbachev. And then Gorbachev also didn't trust uh, uh, Kohl because of the war history, right? It was German, Russian, you know, uh, Soviet Union, the the, the war and the invasion of Germany and so on. And so he suffered personally from that. So the trust was very low. But in order to make this reunification happen, Kohl needed the trust of, of Gorbachev and vice versa. And in the book, I'm describing how the two men that, didn't they, they were the last people to trust each other, yeah. learned to trust. And I'm also tra- like transferring that into the business world. Very often in the business world, we have distrust, you know, in teams and between silos. And so as a leader, leader needs to be very aware of what is the trust level in my organization. The reason why it's important, because if trust is low, people are not going to collaborate. And if people are not collaborating, they're not creating any synergies. And they're not going to achieve the goals together, right? And I have experienced that as a leader, I can tell you many stories about where I paid attention to trust because I've managed global teams and, and it was it's more challenging in a global team because people don't meet each other all the time in person, right? To get to know each other. But back to Gorbachev and Cole, the way they resolved it, they took time to get to know each other as human beings. They really mm. got together at a personal level. They made the effort even in their personal homes, they visited each other with their families, with their wives, and so on. And they got to know each other as a human being. And that's how they built trust.
0: Yeah. You and know, that enabled
1: a... big historic changes, right? The yeah. reunification that nobody thought would ever be possible in our lifetime.
0: Yeah. But it's very there's a similar story about Reagan as well during that time. Uh, right. You know, again, yeah, just he just... also
1: had to learn
0: trust, yep. you know, to trust Gorbachev and vice versa. Yep. Massive gulf. Um, yeah. I, I, I I don't. <laughs> uh, how can we? Uh, you, you can you can pass on this question if you want. Uh, compare that with your just outsider observations of what we know about Putin's leadership style. Do you have any d- enough insight to comment on that? Well, <laughs> this is
1: a big question in Germany. I don't right? I, I, I don't want to put you in, now. <laughs> in
0: an awkward there... position, but I think it's you know fast. <laughs> I mean, I've got my own observations, but again, I'm I'm no expert on it. Uh, but I'll, I'll yeah I, yeah I have my I have observations, you know, Josh. Uh, let let, let me say let's say it this way. Uh, let's say uh, some have commented. We'll 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 just address the comments that uh, perhaps Putin uh, may not. He's a little bit more dictatorial. I think that's a safe uh, thing, and maybe surrounds himself with yes people. But then we'll just address that comment aside from the facts of whether or not he is or not is not. I don't mean yeah. to sound too weak. Need on this, but I don't. You know, I just want to be sensitive here. No, he is an
1: autocratic leader. Yes. Okay. Good. Uh, like, okay. Good. Yeah. Is, yeah. Right. <laughs> so he's an autocratic leader. He is. This is not uh, aligning with our values here in the Western sure. world, right? We, uh, I know many people have believed that he would not be because of the speeches he had given. Like I know he had given speeches in Germany in 2005. that sounded very different. Like he got the applaud of all the, uh, like the parliament because of the openness to change and things that he said. And I have listened to videos or speeches throughout history. And this, the speeches shortly before the war were very different speeches. They were very angry, resentful. Mm. Uh, this was uh, a man that was very emotional in terms of negative emotions. Yeah. And emotions drive our behavior back to the theme of, of what you know emotional-based leadership skills. From the emotional state that he is in, I believe he cannot lead differently. Right? And the beliefs he has, I believe that he believes what he what he says he believes. Sure. Right. And now we don't believe that, or oh, many of us don't believe the same thing. We, we believe we need an open society, right? And, 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 and uh, now also about the Ukraine, right, of being independent country, now it becomes, you know, becomes a little bit historic and so on, but his beliefs drive his emotions and his emotions drive his behavior. So that's what I want to say. So it's for him very hard to get out of this uh, and I doubt it, that he will change no.
0: Yeah, you know, that's really interesting that our leadership style is, is I mean, I think it seems to be one of the key messages from your book, Aspire, is right. Our leadership style is, is driven by our emotions and our emotions make us who we are and how we show up day to day. So if we think about, you know, the leader that we need to be for our teams, for our audiences, uh, for our families, you know, for our, our, our social groups, right? Um, It sounds like, um, you know, that if we are not addressing our own emotions and we're not mindful of our emotional states, um, you know, that there are big time consequences of that. If we're not taking care of ourselves, it's almost like, you know, we need to fill our own cup first, right, before we can better fill the cups of other people.
1: Yes, and very well said. You actually, uh, one of my clients, he, he, he used that metaphor when I'm coaching um, him in, in the emotional space. And I, I give you a wonderful example that is so powerful. Uh, and it, it happens quite frequently, but with one leader, Czech, is, and I'm not using his real name, but he was uh, like criticized by his um, the CEO of the company. He was reporting to the CEO. And, and so he had the second highest position in the company not to be a visionary le- leader. Okay, to be not like to just all he put always his fires out he was always reactive and, and he worked more hours than anybody he was like hardworking. he did some good results and so on and then uh, she suggested coaching and he was looking for a coach and I was the one he picked then from all the ones he talked to but the, in the first meeting I said what is the emotional state you are in and he couldn't say that and I said tell me a little bit about you know what is going through your head and then he I found stories about resentment towards his boss. They were also, mm. you know, like, like the, the boss was always like criticizing him, even he worked so hard and so on. And I said, well, it sounds like all the stories you're telling are stories of victimhood, that somebody did something to you that you didn't deserve, Ooh. that was not fair. And so it sounds like you, you live in resentment. Do you feel resentment? He said, yes, that's it. I'm resentful. And now, resentment. this is an example, is an emotion that holds our mental energy in the past because it, it's focused on something that somebody did to us and it's happened already. Now, that mental energy of resentment does not allow us to look into the future. It doesn't allow us to be hopeful or optimistic. So it's impossible for us to be a visionary leader if we live in an emotion of the past. So in order to help him as a coach, I had to help him create a shift from from resentment to optimism. And I couldn't do that. There's no straight line from resentment to optimism. I had to help him get first to acceptance. Acceptance meaning this happened to you in the past, but it's done already. You cannot change what your boss did, what the CEO did to you. So if you accept it as something that you cannot change, Even if you don't like it, now you can move forward. And it happened, actually. He became a visionary leader. This is one of those people that are now leading thousands of people. And he does it like he's an admired leader. He's an inspirational leader now because he's able to have a vision of the future through optimism that connects to what the people care about and what he cares about. And, And it's just wonderful to watch over several years how his evolution happened through this emotional shift.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Reiner Loam, your website is ReinerLohm.com. That's R E I N E R L O M B dot com uh or you can also search on amazon uh reiner for your book aspire uh and again that's seven essential emotions for leading positive change no matter where you are it's on amazon right now uh reiner this has been a great conversation Uh, some great insights thank you so much for joining us
1: well it's a pleasure thank you very much